I'm, I'm excited this morning to continue on in, in, in a series that we started a, a few weeks ago uh, entitled Compelled. And we've been in this conversation of, of, of what it means to make the decision to follow Jesus, and that it compels us to a life of action. It compels us to a place where we have to step outside of ourselves to say yes, and to say, God, I'm willing. I'm willing to be stretched. I'm willing to be pushed. I'm willing to grow in these areas of my life. And we're continuing to explore God's call to each of us to actively be those who would be reaching across the street and around the world. And for us, it's so much more than just a a fancy phrase or something that we, we put on the wall to impress people as they walk into the church. It's truly something that we believe that God has called us to, each and every one of us as a church collectively, but as individuals who call ourselves followers of Christ. He's called us to reach people with his love. And when we think about the word compelled, it represents and brings about a sense of duty or a drive to make a difference in the world, a drive to make a difference in our lives and those that we surround ourselves with. And Jesus, in his time on this earth, felt compelled to love and care for others. And truly, our purpose should be the same. Our purpose should mirror Jesus. You know, for many of us, there are areas of our lives where we feel compelled to focus on. And there's other other areas that perhaps maybe we neglect. You know, I've always believed that I should have a motivation to grow in my life. Perhaps you might call it a growth mindset. That's, mindset. That's what we call it in, in education. It's growth mindset, this desire to grow and to be stretched. And now, you know, before you, you go getting impressed by my inner drive to become all that God intended me to be, one of the areas I've, I've had a desire to, to grow in is this area of patience. You know, specifically patience with other people. Just saying. And here's a little tip. Don't pray for patience unless you want God to give you opportunities to grow in your ability to be patient. It's a very dangerous prayer. We've already covered in great length and in great detail the struggle that I have in being patient with people when they drive. Just, you know. Sometimes you just wonder if people actually went through the drive test to get their their driver's license. But when I ask God to help me grow in patience, inevitably he brings about an opportunity for me to grow. And, you know, inevitably a a friend will call me and and ask me if I want to go and get an espresso. That's right, I said espresso. Hello? There is no X in espresso. I don't know how that that X magically and mysteriously got inserted into the word espresso. But you know, people call you up, hey, you want to go get an espresso? No, I don't, you uncultured swine. I want to go get an espresso. Obviously, I still need help in this area. 
But better yet, why do people add extra letters or syllables to words? I don't understand this. When did a realtor become a realtor? Obviously, with the silence in the room, many of you call realtors realtors. I even have realtor friends who call themselves realtors, which makes me want to tell them to find another profession. And how, how did my pastoral duties at some point become my pastoral duties? I'm just telling you people, there's no I in pastoral. But yet, People will tell me all about my pastoral duties. Now, as you all begin to judge my rather obvious need to tap the brakes on the whole grammar police, I am confident that all of us have areas of our lives in which we need to grow. And as we continue to unpack the call to step into God's plan and purpose for our lives, We have to be willing to step into an attitude of growth. Because his greatest desire is that we would have a willing heart and an active faith. That we wouldn't just be satisfied living life and kind of going through our daily routines. But we would be willing to step out in faith. That we would be willing to step into what he desires for us. You know, last week we continued our conversation understanding that we should be compelled to pray and to believe boldly for what God would desire to do in and through our lives. Today we take the next step in considering our need to be compelled to grow. Compelled to grow. The reality of making the conscious decision to grow is that we can no longer be satisfied with just getting by. We can't be just satisfied with with business as usual. We have to be willing to be stretched. We have to be willing to be placed into difficult and sometimes challenging situations. Our text today is found in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there with me. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. If you have your mobile device, you can... I'll flip over to the YouVersion Bible app, and you can find us under Events, Neighborhood Church. But in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you that you've called us to grow. We thank you that you have called us to this place of stepping into your purposes. 
And we realize and we understand that it's not enough to just say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. But then each and every moment, each and every day, you're calling us to trust you. You're calling us to step out in faith. So I pray today, God, that you would speak to our hearts, that you'd reveal those areas of our lives that we have yet to surrender to you. That you'd help us to have an attitude and an understanding and a mindset of growth to know that you are still working and you are still moving in our lives and in the lives of those you love. Father, touch us today. Speak to us, we ask. And we pray, Father, that you would bless your word as it challenges us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in this passage of Scripture, Paul is speaking to the church at Ephesus, and he's just finished off listing all these roles, these important components of the church. He's talked about the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and teachers within the church who are there to encourage and equip and build up each and every one of us. And it's at this point that Paul then turns the responsibility to each and every one of us. And as we continue to emphasize our call to reach across the street and around the world, we don't get the ability to make this decision to stop growing. That's not how it works. Or it's like, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm going to put it on cruise control. This is great. I'm going to kind of just do my little thing here, kind of follow my routine. And just as long as nothing catastrophic happens, this is great. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. Listen closely to Paul's charge. That we would not be like immature children, tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. That's weird. We don't live in a culture or a society where people spew truth and spew knowledge and it sounds so clever that it's actually maybe right. Oh, we don't have to deal with any of that. It is mind-blowing to me how much information is being thrown around by so-called experts, many of whom are very clever. And they want to tell you this and tell you that. You should believe this and you should believe that. And we let all this information come in. But when did we make the decision to stop growing in our knowledge of what the Bible says? Replacing it with any inkling of information that crosses our social media or news feed? When did we stop going to this to understand how to live our lives, to understand what we should believe in the world? Because I'm telling you right now, there's a heck of a lot of people who are more interested in what comes across their Facebook feed and grasping all that knowledge and information because it's so gosh darn important. And they haven't opened this book in days or weeks, months or years. 
as we grapple with realities of each of our need to be compelled to grow, there are a few areas that God is challenging each and every one of us to embrace. The first area is we need to decide to grow by placing God's truth into your head. We need to be willing to learn. Learning is is absolutely a part of growth. And we don't stop learning when we graduate out of school. Hey, I got my diploma, I got my degree, I got my GED, I got my this, I got my that. I'm done. I don't need to learn anymore. I'm not even going to use this stuff. That was my favorite, you know, my my favorite line for college. When am I actually going to use this stuff? I mean, outside of math, (laughs) if I used any of it. That's a joke. But I'm truly amazed by how much truth we allow into our heads. That's not God's truth. People speak to me with, with great passion in so many areas of their lives. So, such passion and such, such enthusiasm and such conviction. The economy, you know, you got to invest in silver, or you got to invest in gold, or you got to invest in this or that. It's the newest currency and you got to, you got to get in now. Okay. Or the political climate. Who's in? Who's out? You got to vote. Party affiliation. Make sure you blue, red. (laughs) Then there's those who speak with great passion and conviction about the end times. There's people who believe we're in the end times. There's people who believe we're not in the end times. They believe this prophetic word or that prophetic word or this person or that person. Let me just break it down for you this way. If you read Scripture, you can clearly see that we are in the end times and that we should not just be preparing ourselves, but we should be looking for opportunities to love people. Scripture tells us there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Nations will rise against nations. Many will turn from their faith and betray and hate one another. Christians will be persecuted. Yeah, we're in the end times. But it shouldn't cause us to batten down the hatches and close the blinds and us four and no more. And man, we just gotta, we gotta hunker down because Jesus is coming. Look busy. We've got to excommunicate ourselves from the world. No. We're called to grow. We're called to love. We're called to bless. Understanding these realities should, should move us to grow in our desire to be like Jesus and to learn from him. When we look at the landscape of the world, it should propel us to a place of wanting to grow to be more like Jesus. After all, we're, we're called to be his disciples, called to be his followers. The word disciple in the Greek is manthano. It actually means to learn. So are we daily, actively stepping into what it means to learn to be more like Jesus? 
Are we willing to embrace that reality that we're not quite there yet? Because in order to be Jesus' disciples, we have to continue to learn. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let me teach you. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. We also must be willing to have a mindset of growth when it comes to being taught what the Bible says. Too often we look at Scripture and then we kind of turn the page and we move on. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. If you do this, then this will happen. It's not live your life, do what you need to do, take care of what you need to take care of, and then your roots will grow down. No. Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, just continue to follow him. And then your faith will grow strong and your roots will go deep. Continue to follow him. Let your lives be built on him. Friends, making a conscious decision to grow in God's truth, not that of the world, means that we have to lean into an active attitude of learning. Learning God's promises and his expectations for our lives. The question becomes, what truth do you need to turn off or silence in order to make room for the Spirit of God to speak. What are you allowing into your life? What are you allowing into your head that is blocking your ability to receive from the power of God, that is blocking your ability to hear the voice of God? Because there's a lot of voices out there. Believe me, when I do my pastoral duties, I hear from a lot of them. We've got to come to a place of understanding that we're called to decide to grow by placing God's truth in our minds, becoming more knowledgeable about what he is desiring. We also need to decide to grow by putting God's truth into our actions. It's a matter of living. Yes, we're called to learn, but in order to grow, we have to live it out as well. We have to be willing to show people who Jesus is. You know, I'm always amazed at how often I can take the time to, to read Scripture and, and absorb the truths of God, only to leave them behind when I step into my day. Because there's, there's pressing matters at hand. There's important meetings to take place. There's things I've got to go do and stuff I've got to take care of. And I believe too often we take the knowledge of Scripture in as a key spiritual discipline. It's an important part of our lives and of our day. 
And then we turn around and we have a tendency to live our lives as if God is just giving us suggestions. Hey, if it's not too much trouble, love your neighbor. Hey, if it's not too difficult, trust me in everything that you do. Hey, if you're not busy, pray without ceasing. And we look at it and we go, ah, this is unrealistic. It's hard. God can't expect all this from me. We take the knowledge of Scripture and we go, well, I think there's some wiggle room here. But really, there's not. Do our actions truly display God's truth? Does our life display that of a follower of Christ? How we talk. Do the things that come about out of our mouth reflect Jesus? Are they edifying and uplifting? Or are they negative and cutting? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Are your words encouraging to those who hear them? Or James chapter 1, verse 26. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus and don't keep a rein on your tongue, Are you truly reflecting the person of Jesus? Are you truly reflecting the character of Christ? Or maybe we need to look at how we speak about others. James chapter 4, verse 11. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. Hello. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. Good luck with that. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the guy standing at the pearly gates. And Jesus said, hey, I remember you were kind of critical. God's laws and commandments and expectations for your life? Were you judging God's law? No. And often we look at the law of God, we look at the commandments of Jesus, and we say, well, that's for everybody else, but it's not for me. I don't have that issue. Maybe it's how we live our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Did you see that again? Paul says one thing, and then he says, then. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Let God transform you into a new person. And then you will learn to know what God's will for you is. Not, 
hey, be a jack wagon and treat everybody like garbage, and then God will show you what his plan for your life is. Maybe we need to just look at the way that we treat one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Or John 15, 12. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved, with, loved you. How has God loved us? Without flaw? without anything withheld, without condition, perfectly. And that's his commandment, that we love each other the same way. That means we don't get to hold things against people just because they hurt us, just because they betrayed us, just because they betrayed trust, just because they said something that we didn't agree with. Well, I'm going to withhold it now. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. Do we see the truth of God as his commandments for our lives? Or do we see him as something else? Eh. If it works into my busy schedule, I'll love people as God loved me. If people are kind to me, I won't speak ill against them. If they don't talk about me, I won't talk about them behind their back. But if they talk about me, just look out. When we make a conscious decision to grow by putting the truth of God into action, it should be evident in every area of our lives. Every area. That means everything. All of it whether we're at home or at work or at church or at the store or at the gas station and the line's long and we're getting a little bit... Or somebody mispronounces a word. It should be evident in the what we say and what we do and what we watch and what we listen to and what we consume and most certainly how we love other people. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 says, And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If somebody claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So if you're asking yourself, is there an area of my life I still need to grow in? Are you living your life perfectly as Jesus did? We take a quick evaluate. No, 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 I still have some areas I need to grow. As we step out to put God's truth into action, every characteristic of who Jesus is should be evident in the way that we strive to live. Every aspect of Jesus. That's a tall order. That is tough sledding. So, so you, if you think you've arrived, 
you might want to crack the Bible open again and look at Jesus' life. Because I'm going to probably hedge on the side of being able to guarantee you there's an area you still can grow in. Just saying. So we have to make that conscious decision to grow by placing God's truth in our, our minds and in our heads and allowing God's truth to be put into our actions. The final thought is this. We need to decide to grow by prioritizing God's truth in our choices. We've come to a place of of learning. We've come to a place of living. Now we have to come to this place of of leaning into the power of God in our choices. The reality of choosing to grow by prioritizing God's truth means we must lean into God's plan and purpose. It means that we have to live it out. It means that our choices should reflect that of Jesus. Because we can often get our priorities mixed up in believing God is here to make our dreams come true. I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. Okay, here's my list. This and this and this. I need a spouse. I need a big bank account. I need an awesome job where people love me and they shower praise on me. I need a dog that doesn't pee on the floor and picks up after himself. Too much to ask? We get mixed up and we think God is just our short order cook here to make our dreams come true when in actuality, we're called to step into his plan. He created you with a plan and a purpose, and he desires that we would step into that. Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and your mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And even if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot Be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the costs. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the costs to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. And then verse 34 says, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. It's interesting in this passage, Jesus is giving some very succinct directives and challenging us to a place of action. In one translation, he uses the phrase does not a lot. Anybody does not hate even their own life. You cannot be my disciple. Does not hate. Hate his mother and his father and his family and his brothers and sisters, his own life. Take up his cross, bear his cross and follow me. Forsake all others. Forsake everything to follow me. So why does he use such strong terminology? Hate, bear, or take up 
cross, forsake all others. The reality is there cannot be room in our hearts for anything else if we truly choose to follow Jesus. Too many times we, lose, we leave room in our hearts for other things. And over time, those, those maybe great things become the love and the center of our lives. They begin to consume us. Family's not a bad thing. But if your family is the center of your life and Jesus is not, I got news for you. At some point, your family will begin to struggle. And there will be hurt and there will be division. There will be things that will keep you from right relationship. And our hopes and dreams and our possessions and all these different areas of our lives, they're, they're good and they're important and they're valuable. But if those things become the center, then you're no longer following Jesus. You're following your family. You're following your possessions. You're following your career. And those things are temporary in the scope of eternity. Jesus is not making a rule here. Don't mistake what's happening. He challenges us. He's simply stating a reality. He's not saying, I won't let you be a disciple. You don't give up all these things. He's merely saying, you won't be able to be a disciple. You will not be able to follow me truly and fully if you don't give up all these things first. Because there's only one throne of your heart. And either Jesus is sitting on it or he's not. And we can come to this place where we can begin to prioritize all these other things. We can lose sight of the fact that we've taken God off the throne of our hearts and we've put something else there. It's only when we truly choose to surrender everything and lean into God's truth and plan for our lives that it truly is seen by others. You know, we watch a lot of shows in our house, kind of a, kind of a, a TV family. Our, our, you know, when we want to decompress, we hop on the tube, for better or for worse. We call it shoulder-to-shoulder time. Pretty sure it was one of, one of those love language books or something like that. But we like to watch some shows, and we, we watch a lot of different stuff, but one of the ones that we really enjoy is America's Got Talent. We, kind of watch, we like watching AGT. It's always kind of wacky and funny and sometimes a little crazy and bizarre. And then every so often, somebody comes on the show that kind of tugs on your heartstrings a little bit. And if you've been watching America's Got Talent lately, you, you would have seen this young lady who is struggling with a cancer diagnosis. Her name is uh, Jane Marzuski. She goes by the artist named Nightbird. She's a singer. She's 30 years old. She's been diagnosed with terminal cancer. She has cancer in her lungs, in her spine, and in her liver. She's been given a 2% chance to live. And she's beautiful. It's beautiful eyes, this, this just electric smile that would light up any room. And yet she's in this place of, of struggling through the most horrific diagnosis that, being, that can be given someone. And she comes on the show and she, she shares this song that's, that's about the story of her bout with cancer. 
And the, the song is called It's Okay. In the midst of all this stuff, that's her declaration. It's okay. And she sang this inspiring song. And in the midst of the interview with the judges, they were just awestruck by the song and by her spirit and by her confession and the things that she was saying. And Gretchen and I were like, you know, by the time she was done. And she said a few things that just absolutely left me speechless. At one point in the conversation with the judges, they were kind of opining over all the things that she had shared and how dire the diagnosis was. And she said this, it's important that everyone knows that I'm so much more than the bad things that happened to me. I'm so much more than the bad things that happened to me. Is that our confession as followers of Jesus? I'm so much more. God has created me to be so much more than the bad things that happened to me in life. Or are we so focused on the bad things that nobody knows that we're a follower of Jesus? And then later on in the conversation, she said something profound. She said, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. You can't wait. You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore to choose to follow Jesus fully. Because if you do, you're going to wait a long time. Because life's tough. There's tough stuff that we face every day. There's difficulty that lies around every corner. And yet God desires to bring life and to bring life more abundant, more fulfilling. As we place our focus and our trust in him despite the difficulties. Are we living our lives as those who are dictated by terrible things that happen to us and around us? Or perhaps we're willing to make that conscious decision to grow daily in God's truth by learning, by living, and by leaning into Him. Are you willing to consider that today? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You that You have created us with a plan and a purpose. None of us is an accident. None of us is here by chance. And despite the difficulty that we face in life, despite the horrible situations that come to knock on the door of our hearts, Father, we realize today that you are good and that your promises are great and that you love us and you desire that we would grow in our knowledge and understanding of your love. And that as we grow in that knowledge and understanding, that we would live it out in such a way where people see hope, they see peace, they see strength. Because of you. Father, as that happens, that we would lean into the plan and the purpose for which you created us. That we would begin to step into those moments that you have appointed so that we could speak into the life of someone who needs you. Oh, that we would see the world through your eyes, Father God. 
that we would see people the people that you love that you've called you desire to bring to yourself father forgive me for not waking up every morning saying god what do you want to do today what are you up to today? Let me step in to your purpose for this day, for this moment. Jesus, we desire to reflect your love in this world, in our workplace, in our homes, in the city, in our community. so that everyone would come to the knowledge and the understanding of who you are. Lord, help us, we ask. This morning, if you are in this place or you are tuning in online and you're desiring to make that decision to follow Jesus with your whole heart, and you would say, I've, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. I've given it everything I have in life and I still feel that I'm falling short. I still feel that something's missing. I'm here to tell you. Jesus desires to fill that hole in your heart. He desires to be that answer that you need. And his power and his strength and his love is enough. So today, if you desire to make that decision to follow Jesus with your whole heart, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. We're going to pray a simple prayer, and we pray together as a, as a church family, understanding each and every one of us has need of a Savior. And so if that's your decision, that's your desire today, is to step into that new life in Christ, would you pray this prayer with us? Church, can we say this together so that we don't, single anybody out or embarrass anyone. Say, Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son Jesus Christ came to this earth to show me how to live. And he died and was raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change. As I choose to live for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. In a church, we have the decision to make each and every day of whether or not we are going to decide to grow, decide to allow Jesus to shape us and form us to mold us more and more into his likeness. And it's a simple decision. It's that willingness to wake up and say, yes, God, I accept that I need more of you in my life and less of me. I understand there's still areas that you need to change. You need to grow. I need to surrender. So each and every week, we challenge ourselves to be the neighborhood, to 
step out of this place and to show the love of Jesus. This morning, I would encourage and challenge you. Maybe we need to look inside and say, God, where are the areas that we need to surrender to be more of the neighborhood, be more of who you're calling us to be? And then as we say yes to that, God desires that we would step out in faith and trust him in those moments of our day that he has appointed for us. I challenge you today as we continue to move forward in this series and we continue to say, God, what are you compelling us to? To allow God to shape, to tweak, to change you as you trust him. So as you go out of this place, let's allow God to make us more into who he's called us to be so that we truly can step out in faith and be the neighborhood. God bless you and have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week.